And this series has been titled, First Things First. When you hear that phrase, what comes to your mind? What does it actually mean, first things first? Well, who's ever watched any uh, great domino artists, particularly they do them in Las Vegas and whatever, set up an ensemble with four million dominoes? Anyone ever seen one of those, right, on television? They show them every now and again. And all the guy does is tip one domino and the rest of it, whether it's a, a spectacular fireworks display or it's some beautiful thing that's opened, started with that master domino being tipped. Yeah. So when we talk about first things first, we're talking about the master domino, the things that tip everything else. Because life's too short and life's too hectic to do everything by hand and to do everything one at a time. Imagine if you could get the trigger for everything, the master, what I call the master key. You know, when you go to a hotel, you get your key for your room, that gives you access to your room. But then there are employees, and the manager of the hotel has a master key that gets him access to all the rooms with one key, right? He doesn't go with a whole bunch of keys. Which one is it for this room? He's got a master key, and he goes through every room. If you could understand, and I could understand, and we could live in 2023 with master keys dominating our schedules, what would happen is the flow-on effect, the domino effect in our lives would be enormous. Multiplication, 10x kind of results and what's going to happen, 100x kind of results are going to happen. It really does happen like that. And everything else you do handcrafted and one by one, but God wants you to understand the master keys. And so we talked about the master goal is faith. Master key number one was prayer, and we need to understand that Without prayer, we can't involve God. Without God, nothing impossible can happen. And without prayer, we can't involve Him. But this is what I've discovered in my 35 years of full-time ministry. And this is what I've discovered. I started when I was 12 uh, in full-time ministry. And so what I've discovered in these 35 years is that most people don't know how to pray. Now you think praying is like drinking water or going to the toilet. It's like a kind of part of who you are automatically. But it's interesting to me that there are millions and millions and millions and millions, billions of people praying, but not billions of answers being received. Don't you think that's odd? When you do the data and the stats of all the prayers, and what it says to me is this, and the Bible very clearly backs it up, is that there is good prayer and there is average prayer. That means every one of us can grow in the quality of our prayer. What does the Bible say in James 1? It says this, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much or has a great impact. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person has a profound effect. Now, I wish it said the wishy-washy average prayer of an ordinary churchgoer has a great effect. And that may say that in the Message Bible, that's not a real translation. Anyway, that, it doesn't say that. But the point is this, the effectual prayer, that means there's a type and a quality of prayer that has a powerful effect, which makes sense, means everything in life, there are things that have big effects and things that have little effects. It's saying that prayer is not equal. There is no equality in prayer. In other words, what does that mean is there is good prayer, there is average prayer, there's poor prayer, and then there's no prayer. 
And the problem, what I've noticed, is that not many people ever come up to me and say, Pastor, can you teach me how to pray? Because it kind of feels too humiliating to admit that you're not a good prayer. Does anyone know anyone like that? So I'm not talking to you, of course. So if the effectual fervent prayer has a powerful effect, then average prayers have average effect. So we've got to upgrade our prayer life. It's not just to get, God, help me. You know, God's not a drive-through Wendy's. I'm coming to order this. Can I have this now? I'm gone. I'm gone in a minute. God wants us to understand what prayer is, right? Prayer is the secret to relationship, but prayer is the secret to faith. Without prayer, you have little faith. With great prayer and good prayer, good quality prayer, you have great faith. Now, I'm trying to set you up for this idea that we've heard in religious circles that your prayers need to be eloquent or your prayers need to be be verbose or have some quality of elegance about it. No one cares about the words you use. People care about what comes from in here. That's what God's looking for, is the kind of prayer, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person has a powerful effect. I want you just to do some quality control in your own life and ask yourself, is my praying effectual and fervent? Or is it just kind of, yep, I've got to tick it off the list that I prayed today. Or it's like the grace kind of prayer, Lord, we just pray you bless the hands that prepared it. Right? What kind of praying do you have? Because your prayer life quality determines your faith life quality and quantity. They're linked. Because it makes sense. If God's the one who gives faith, then talking to God gets more faith. Just makes sense. And I'm a big fan of doing one thing but producing many outcomes from one thing. Who likes that idea? Do one thing and it has all these other impacts. Prayer is a master key, and I know we've heard it all, but the quality of your prayer is also the master key. You've not heard that before, probably. And I'd ask you to pray, as I said, in an eloquent way. I just want you to pray effectively. That's all it says. It doesn't say flowery. It says effective. So what, do we, what does that mean? Well, we're not going to unpack that today. That's something for you to go home and do, right? Is to work out what effectual, fervent prayer is, because that has a profound effect. I mean, I myself know that I've prayed lazy prayers. Lord, could you do this? God does not respond to whining, begging. He responds to faith. Factual, fervent prayers show faith. Okay? And uh, God loves you no matter how you pray. So it's not about how much you're loved. It's just how much you want to get done that matters. Okay? And... So I love things that work. So one of the things that God challenged me about, and I'll just give my own personal challenges, in 2018, he said to me, somewhere in then, I was in Australia, and he said to me, Ashley, I know you pray, I know you talk to me, I know you spend, during the day, you're talking to me all the time, but if you don't dedicate at least 30 minutes of go after effectual fervent prayer, then don't expect to see much. Every now and again, God needs to give me a slap across the head because I'm a bit slow at taking on information. I'm resistant to it. So God goes, bash! 
And I'm like, whoa, okay. And it was so impactful, it reverberated through my life. You see, I'm an old youth pastor, young adult pastor, so I'm used to staying up late. I like staying up till late. 1 a.m. would be my normal bedtime, and I'd get out of bed at 7, 7.30, and then I'd get about my day, right? And I like to think to myself in the old, when I was young, I used to like thinking I could pray at night time. Well, there's a reason why Peter failed to pray, is because it was night time, and at night time you're supposed to sleep. So I realized one of the master keys is prayer, and so I decided I'm going to go and change my life. And I literally moved from being a person that would get up at 7 or 7.30 or even 8, 7, 7.30 to a person who gets up at 5 a.m. every morning, sometimes 4.30 in the morning. And it's a master key. Why? Because when nobody else is around, there's not even a stirring in the house, not even a mouse. I'm able to focus on the things that are the master key, so I pray. I'm able to read the newspaper, right? I'm able to do a whole bunch of those things. Do some stuff for myself, have my coffee, sit down on my favorite chair, and I start praying. I start reading God's Word. I start praying. Many of the things that you see, this building is a result of me sitting in that chair praying. Right? Didn't just come from you know, thin air. It came because I listened to the slap in the side of the head because I didn't want to get one on the other side of the head. And I started to change my life. It was the most torturous three months of my life to shift from being a late morning person to an early morning person, from a late night person to an early night person. It tortured me. So I developed, and I no, didn't develop, I got downloaded the, the sleep app from Apple. And I've tracked my sleep for the last Eight years, I'm a goal person, so I've even got to have a goal in sleep. So when I go to bed at 9.30, I want to know that I'm going to get that five and a half hours sleep. I want to know that I'm going to get that, and I measure it, because for me, that's important. Otherwise, I'd lose track of where I'm going. Before I go to bed, Jane will tell you, I put it on every night. Sometimes we'll listen to me sleep talking afterwards. Sometimes we'll hear uh, me snoring, or her, Jane snoring, whatever it might be. But I track myself. Why? Because I'm determined to get up at 5 a.m. Now, if I miss a 5 a.m., I am upset because I just missed my master key session. What do I do in my master key? I know that prayer is the master key. We've talked about that. But I also know exercise is the master key. Now, the last couple of weeks I failed, but I've got to tell you because I've been praying at the prayer meetings. But let me say, I get up and I go to the gym. So before 7 a.m., from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m., by the time I've done maybe 7.30, from 5 to 7.30, I have put at least three master habits to work in that two and a half hours. Guess what that gives me? That gives me another five hours of energy, another 10 hours of productivity. It creates the domino effect because it starts to flow down. Now I'm not so tired when it comes to the most important meeting of the day. Now I don't have that crash in the afternoon. Now uh, I'm able to sustain the intensity of my work life, of what's needed from me with 12 campuses, with a vision of 200, and uh, all those things that uh, are in my life. It gives me the ability to do that at my age, as I'm getting older, right? Younger, renewing my youth like the eagles, right? This is what's happening. But I'm going to be as intense like I am today in 20 years from now because I've found the master keys to staying that way. I'm not going to have a 30-year career of producing. I'm going to have a 70-year career of producing. So you choose how much production you want, but I've chosen mine right? And I've decided that master keys are the only way you can maintain the rage, maintain the power, maintain the pace. Master keys, if you don't have them, you won't get in the house. If you lose your keys, you're in trouble. 
Okay, we're going to move on to part three, right? Well, the second key. It's really interesting to me with people don't know how to pray, but no one ever asks. Very few people have ever asked me in 35 years how to pray. That tells me a bunch of things. There are a lot of proud people out there. Now, there's a lot of ignorant people in church that don't think, oh, is there, is there another level to prayer? I didn't realize there was another level to prayer. I didn't realize you could get better at prayer. I just thought prayer was prayer. No, it's not. You can be better at it. You can be more effective at it because the Bible tells us we can. And we know this because in Luke chapter 11, which is a great chapter, if you get a chance to study this week, and I'm going fast for a reason. By the way, welcome everybody online. Good to see you and welcome to church today. You know, I want to encourage you to read Luke 11. It's a chapter on prayer and how you should pray. And we know because verse 1 says this, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Notice, John taught his disciples how to pray. Jesus taught his disciples when they asked him how to pray. Now, these guys knew Jewish tradition. They knew how to pray. But obviously, they realized when they watched Jesus pray and things changed and they prayed and nothing changed, that the quality of their prayer compared to Jesus seemed to be lacking. Why do you get results and why don't we? Well, maybe it's your prayer life. So could you teach us to pray? Because our prayer life sucks. It's obvious. Could you please tell us how to pray better? And so Jesus began. The whole book of, a whole chapter 11 is about Jesus' discourse on how to pray. Don't get caught up in little things. Read the thing as a, an umbrella. Read it in its context overall and start to dissect down into the attitude of prayer. Remember, he talks about the man who comes at midnight and he's got nothing and he says to his friend who's up in his house, I need three loaves of bread. A friend has, returned, has arrived at my house and I need some money. I need some food, he says. I need some food. And the guy says, go away. I'm asleep and my wife and my kids are in bed. I'm going to call the cops. Tick off. And so, then it says, it says, the man doesn't listen. The man keeps on asking, where are my three loaves? I want him. You said you're my friend. I want my three loaves. And Jesus said, though he won't get up and get hit for him because he's a friend, because of his shameless persistence, he gets up and gives him everything he needs. And then he goes, so I say to you, ask persistently, seek persistently, knock persistently, and you will receive. What's Jesus doing? He's given you a formula for upgrading the master key to a key that goes through every part of the house. He wants you to succeed, but he needs you to know there is good prayer, average prayer, and poor prayer, and no prayer, so figure out good prayer. I promise you, you'll learn good prayer if you come to the prayer meeting, and here's why. Because we teach how to pray even while we're praying. Right? It's not one of those prayer meetings you sit around and, and 30 of us go, take it in turns at seeing who can be more flowery than the next. We all pray at the same time. Why would I waste time listening to your prayer when 30 people, the 30x effect of us all praying at the same time is more powerful? So we create the environment, but we all pray individually and going after stuff, and it's very, very potent. I promise you, it is the thing you shouldn't miss if you can. Of course, if you've got kids, you've got to take them, whatever. But don't let excuses stop you from getting up and making that master key a priority. It is January. If you can't be good in January, you won't be good in March. <laughs> we just know that, right? That's just human nature. 
We're at the top of our game right now, everybody. So let's seize the day. Carpe diem. Come on. Okay, I can see it's time to move on. All right. All right, so um, God spoke to me. Upgrade your prayer life. I changed my whole life so I could pray. Are you willing to change your whole life so you can pray in order to have the master key to everything that you need? Next point. The secret of why they could ask is simply this. They had a relationship with Jesus that was student and teacher. They'd adopted a learning leaning in posture. Jesus was their rabbi. They were his disciples. They had formally accepted him as their teacher. He had formally accepted them as his students, which is why he rebuked them a lot. Where is your faith? You feed them. You do it. What was he doing? He was training them. Now, let me just make a real quick point, and it's, and it's on a hobby horse of mine, that there is a lot of emphasis on teaching Teaching is only useful if you can use what you're taught. Anyone agree? Anyone go through school going, why am I learning this? I'm never going to do this. Right. And the truth is you never did. So I believe teaching is useless unless it can be applied. In fact, the Bible says it this way. In 1 Corinthians 8, Paul says, knowledge puffs up. In other words, it makes you proud. When you th you've got all this knowledge, well, I'm so amazing. Look at all the knowledge I've got. And all the Bible says is that knowledge makes you proud. And Proverbs says pride comes before a fall. So the pursuit of knowledge, even though that's an American, Australian ideal, is not the Bible ideal. The pursuit of virtue is the ideal. Because as you pursue character, you learn knowledge too. But you see, training and teaching are different. Teaching's about knowledge, training's about competency. When you train someone, you train them to do. When you teach someone, you teach them to know. But knowing doesn't translate to doing very easily. Training must be done in order for doing to be accomplished. So guess what? That's why Jesus, after his uh, uh, fasting and prayer, the very first thing he did was to go and choose students because he realized the best use of his time and their time would be training. He didn't sit around in a classroom and go, let's turn around textbooks. He took them with him on journeys to show them in real life how things worked. You go heal that sick man that's been sick for 38 years. You go heal that demon-possessed boy. Well, we couldn't. Well, you know, well, let me come at you of little faith, he says in Luke 11, Luke 9. You know, it goes on and on. Jesus is putting them in real life situations to train them because competency is the goal. Knowledge without being able to be used is a useless, head-filling exercise that makes you think you're better than you are. Anyone agree? Knowledge, if it can't be applied, is pointless. Knowledge is for usefulness. It's to be used. It's to be exercised. Okay? Um, look, there are, there are exceptions to that. Of course, some of you will say there's an exception to that. Of course, there's, one, there's two exceptions out of three trillion. Okay, I accept that. But the point is training is far superior to teaching. Because when you train... 
a person actually can do what they were being trained to do. When you teach somebody something, it doesn't mean anything. They may be able to do it, but most likely they can't. So training is superior, which is why Jesus was a trainer, not just a teacher. We get confused because they call him teacher, but really he was more than a teacher because he taught them principles, but then he showed them the practical how-to. I anoint you. You go heal the sick. You go into every town. I'm sending you out two by two. It was practical. You come watch me. Let me show you how to do it. Peter, James, and John, you come into the dead girl's room. You guys stay out. I want you to watch me how I raise the dead girl. You ready to watch? You want to see me do that? Because you can't teach that in a classroom. See dead girl? Dead girl lying on bed. I come in, touch her hand, she raised from dead. It just doesn't work. Like being in the room of a dead person who comes to life. Who thinks you're going to learn a lot more when you see the dead person come to life than when you hear about it on the board? Okay, I shouldn't even ask that question, right? It's just obvious. So training is superior to teaching. So I'm going to talk to you now about Jesus' uh, discipleship. Jesus' method was not teaching, it was training. So we're meant to train. And I want to talk to you about that because one of the things that God's gifted me with is the ability to train. I remember praying many, many times over many decades, God, God, I want that gift, and I want that gift, and I want that gift of the Spirit, and I wish I was that person, and I wish I was that person. I'd pray for people, you know, I'd pray for people for miracles, and oh well, next preacher, please come and pray. I'm exaggerating, I've seen miracles, but you know what I'm saying. I wanted to be Smith Wigglesworth, I wanted to be that guy. But what I, dis- what I discovered was, Whenever I put my hands on people and prayed for them, they instantly became leaders. For some reason, they just became incredibly powerful people in their job. And I realized that the gift God had put on me was the faith for transformation of people's hearts from the inside out. That when I prayed for people, that actually accelerate their leadership growth. What would take someone 10 years, they'd do in two years. Because God's given me the faith to see that supernatural acceleration. So I'm no Benny Hinn, I won't pray for you, nothing's going to happen when I pray for you, except when I pray for you, you're going to become a leader. And guess what I've discovered? You know, health is obviously the most important, but once you've got your health, leadership is what rules the world. It's what we need for everyday life. We need to lead our families. We need to lead our children. It's an interesting thing that parents raise children, that's wrong. The Bible says train a child so that when he's old, he won't depart from it. If you live in the moment of the child's experience, you'll never train them. Training is about having a beginning and having an end. It's not about, oh, 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 what do you want, Johnny? You're three years of age. What would you like to do? You're so smart, so endowed with wisdom at three. You tell mummy what you want. That's not called training. That's just called being dumb. I've just got to say it as it is. It's the Jacksonville one, so I'm excited about that. So the thing I was going to give you a warning, you know how normally you have a warning, MA or PG? This is a leader's session. So if you need prayer, uh, see Pastor Jane. But this is a training session. I'm in that mode today. So I'm, I'm in the training mode. So just hold on. The pastor, actually, that's kind. He's still there. But today I'm putting on my training suit. Why? Because you have a mission in your life and I want to help you get there. Right? I'm not here just to pat your hand when you're going through troubles. I'm here to raise you up, to send you like a rocket to the moon. 
That's the only reason I do this. There are a lot better paying jobs than what I'm doing right now. Let me tell you why I do it. Only to, what's the word? Only to train. That wasn't the word. I was looking for another word. To impart into you and equip you to be absolute legends in life. That's what, that's what I live for. If you think, there are some people that pray, they want to go to the hospital and pray for the sick, and I'm like, awesome. I used to pray like that too, wanting that, but God didn't give me that gift. My gift is the ability to raise people up and send them like a rocket in their careers, send them like a rocket in their marriage, send them like a rocket in their parenting, send them like a rocket in life. My thing on LinkedIn says I like to help people lead and succeed. That is my mission. I want you to lead and succeed. Everything you're going to hear from me is about you leading and you succeeding. You're not going to hear all the other fluff. There's many other people to do that, and we need them all. But my job in the kingdom is to equip, train, release, and get them off the runway. To provide lift so you actually get off the runway. It doesn't, you know, whether you look good doesn't mean anything. It means only something if you can fly. If you were designed to be a plane, you should be flying, not looking good. Let's hope you have a a good-looking plane. That's good too. But you know what I'm saying? The difference is that we're not looking for... Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. So here's my question. The reason why the disciples could ask Jesus is because they were in the posture of learning. He was in the posture of training. It was a formal arrangement that was an agreement between them. I'm going to learn from you. I choose to teach you. I choose to learn from you. It has to happen that way. Um, you know, a lot of, here's my question. And then I've got a couple of things to say. So master key number two, you ready? Master key number two is to intentionally put yourself in a position to be trained in 23. To intentionally be trained, to ask to be trained. You've got to ask. Well, or you can do it Jesus' way, where Jesus chose them. Now, most rabbis were asked, and they asked. It was a reciprocal kind of two-kind-of-step deal. You either asked or you asked. I'm going to ask some people. Some people are going to ask. You've got to ask. We have some great team members, and I'll talk to you a little bit about that in a minute. But intentionally putting yourself in a position to be trained. So my question is this. Who is training you? Remember, I've got my training hat on. Not my pastor hat on. Who is training you to be a better mother, to be a better father, to be a better parent, to be better, have a better marriage, to be financially secure by the time you come to the end of your life, to the end time when you, you know, not end of your life, but end of your working life? Who's training you for that? Or are you just kind of wandering along, let's look up Google, let's see what happens. And that is a helpful tool, I, I must admit, it's awesome. But who is training you? Master key number two is you must be trained. If Jesus did it, there was a reason. It's valuable beyond measure. Now, we live in the 21st century, so it's much harder to create. We have to morph and think. We're not living in a village culture. We're not living with three generations that are together. We're not living with all that kind of stuff. I'm not asking you to leave your job for three years and follow me. That's not what I'm asking, right? But what I am saying is you've, we've got to work it out in the modern context because it's still the way. I've got to be asked or I've got to ask and I've got to get into the training programs, not the teaching programs. You won't find many teaching programs here because I don't believe in all those teaching programs. I do believe in them 5%. Sorry, I do believe in 
I believe in training programs. So have all that knowledge, but with outcomes. When you do the Futures Leadership School tomorrow night, those that have enrolled, you'll find it very different to any class you've ever been to. It's not a classroom, it's a training environment. And I'll give you some things that you'll know very quickly how much of a training environment is as opposed to a teaching environment. You won't have any homework. That's how you know it's not a teaching environment. It's a training environment, but you'll have plenty to do. It's going to blow your socks, I promise you. If you've signed up, if you haven't, you want to sign up today. We've got enough people to really have a great time, but I don't want anyone to miss out either. So if you haven't signed up, it's on the Church Centre app. Sign up today. And tell your wife to have Chick-fil-A on that night if you're a guy. And if you're a girl, tell him to have Chick-fil-A on that night. So who's training you in financial areas? Who's training you in the wisdom of God? You know, a lot of people say to me, and I, I use my personal life as an example, a lot of people say to me, Pastor, you're more like a businessman than a pastor. And I'm like, really? No, I'm not, I'm a pastor. They said, no, no, you think more like a person in business. I said, well, I can't owe that to my own brilliance because I didn't train in my early years in that area. I'm smart, but I needed training. So five years ago, I sat down with a guy in Alpharetta and I said to him, you are the smartest guy I know when it comes to finance, when it comes to debt structuring, when it comes to all the tricks that are around and out about in America, you are the savant, or savant, depending where you're from, right? You are the savant, you are a genius. I remember telling Philip, He's the chairman of our board in Australia, co-chairman of our board. And so he's here. And, and I said to him, I said, this guy is so smart. I'm going to ask him formally. So I sat down and I said, and he was embarrassed. But I said to him, would you teach me all these secrets? I said, when I see you, see you on a whiteboard, I'm like, whoa, whoa, slow down, slow down. You were going, Brrr. and anyone who's ever been in a room with him will know that's exactly what I'm telling you is a true story, Right? Because he's like that. His brain goes at a thousand miles an hour. I'm like, well, slow down, slow down, slow down. So I sat there. I said, would you be a mentor to me? Would you train me? And he was like, what can I teach you? What can I teach you? I said, let, just, let me just hang around with you and I will do a swap. I'll be your pastor. I'll make sure you go to heaven. <laughs> right? I said to him the other day, I said, you're the only person in my entire world that has a personal pastor. Every Thursday, we have a church service just for you, me and you. I bring the church service, and you're there, and you get saved every Thursday at the booth for breakfast. It's amazing. I said, but in return, what I want from you is I want you to teach me. I want to learn from you. I'm a good learner, but I want to learn from you. I'll watch. I'll listen. And I've got to tell you, we own this building because of his mentorship in my life. I'm telling you, it happened because of that. It happened because of that. Like right now, I realized I'm getting on in years. I've lived my whole, no, I've lived my whole life. Deacons, please take that man out. No, I'm not joking. I've lived my whole life just focused completely on the gospel, 100 hours a week, 80 hours a week, whatever it is. Just focus on the church, focus on people's needs, focus on all those things. I'm a giver to people. That's why I've spent my whole life being like that. Then suddenly realize, wow, the, the runway is getting shorter and shorter for retirement. Now I'll never retire, but you know what I'm saying. There's going to come a point when the young guys go, 
listen, the old guy is getting paid too much and we need to retire him off. Look, it's, it happens to everybody. It's going to come to me too. I'm going to keep them away. The wolves are at bay for a long, long time, but it's still coming. So I just started thinking to myself when I got to my 50s, I was still in my 50s, just want so you know, and when I got to my 50s, I, I thought, I'm going to start preparing for my future. And so about four months ago, when I was in Australia, one of my friends has got motor neurone disease, been a day trader for about 13 years. I thought, I've, got to, you know, I've avoided all that stocks and shares, but I like the Forex market. And you know what? Uh, I know enough about all that stuff, but I'm going to learn that stuff. So he's right into it. He's been a day trader in the Forex field for you know, 13, 14 years and very successful. And so I said to him, Greg, Greg, would you teach me? So now he's in a wheelchair. He's got motor neurone disease and he's got all of those challenges. So we've been trying to do it across Skype since I've been here, all that kind of stuff. I've done all these, these uh, YouTube videos. I've done all this stuff. I've got to a certain point, but I'm stuck. So if anyone here is a Forex genius, please see me after the service. I'm going to come to your office this week and we're going to have fellowship <laughs> as you teach me, right? Because I'm not proud. There are things I need to learn in my life and I'm going to learn them whatever comes. If I don't learn them, all my fault. Can't blame the environment, can't blame whatever. It's my fault. So if I want to be to that place where I can give my wage back before it's asked for it back, If I want to get to that place where, where I can be a blessing and we can hire other people, how awesome would that be? So I'm like, okay, I'm in that stage of life. That's important. I've got to do that now. So I've been going for four months. I've got these demo accounts. I'm working on these demo accounts. I've only lost a couple of million dollars of demo, and I haven't really, <laughs> I've done all right. Anyway, my point is, I haven't done good enough. So I thought, I know there's a guy that this week I'm going to ask. I want to come to your house every week and I want you to explain things to me. Show me about the charts. Show me this. Because I've got a whole bunch of questions. Now, it may take only one session and it's cleaned it all up. All right, I'm ready to go again. But if I get stuck again, I'm going to that guy. I'm going to that other guy. I don't care who it is. Why? Because I'm determined to learn. I'm determined to be trained. Master key of life is who is training you. Who's training you to be better at marriage? Who's training you to be better at finances? Who's training you to be better in your, in your character? Who's training you to be, better, uh, be, be a better Christian who can pray better? Who's training you to be better at all those things? Wow. Master key of life, training. And what I've done is all my life I've been like that. All my life I've had a thirst for knowledge and a thirst to know how to do. This is what we used to say. This is the little saying we're saying. If you can, you do. If you can't, you teach. And if you can't teach, you become a professor. That's how it works. So it might, I was, you know, because look, at the, look at the stuff we're churning out of college now. Thank you, professors and everyone else. My point is, there are some good professors, so I'm not saying they're all like that. But what I'm saying is this. That was the saying. We used to say this at Bible college. If you can't, do, if you can, you do. And if you can't, you teach. That was a real diss at teachers, right? Obviously. And if you can't teach, you become a professor. Because here's the deal. You should be able to do. The goal is doing, not knowing. We don't need any more eggheads around. What we need is some people to get out there and make things happen. And this is not a disparity of teachers. I love teachers, but I love the teachers that have trained me. If you think back to the teachers in your, in your school or your college, whatever, they took a personal interest in you and they did something with you off book. 
They did something with you to speak into your life. You love them because they did more than teach a class with anonymous names. They trained you. They poured into you. That's what we yearn for. That's what Paul says to Timothy. I'm like a father to you. He says also in 2 Timothy 2.2, look for able and faithful men who can train others. So that's what we have to do. Training is the difference between staying on the cycle of up and down versus surging ahead. You can be the very best in all these areas if you commit yourself to being trained. I remember having one of our pastors stay in our home last year and, you know, we're starting up this whole new venture and they're like, you know, I can't do that, I'm too old. I said, that's just rubbish, stop with that, I'm too old business. Learn it. I'll help teach you it. And I'm an old guy, let me teach it to you. And then we'll find someone else to teach it to you. Don't use it as an excuse. My age, oh, I can't learn. Yes, you can. I'm too young. That's why Paul says, don't, look at, don't let them look down on you because you're too young. You're never too young. You're never too old. There's no perfect, oh, wow. I, I'm best on social media between 20 and 30. That's my time to shine. No, it's not. Your time's to shine while you have breath. Our time to be our best is while we have breath. And I'm going to be my best no matter what obstacles come my way. Why? Because I have a duty to the God who made me to be my best for Him. Does that make sense? Come on. Now, there are people that are in trouble. Our job's to help them. Well, guess what? We need to be trained to help them. It all comes down to training. We need to love those that can't do it. But we've got to be able to help them. Otherwise, what's the point? What's the defining point for those who excel? See, every one of us in this room and everyone's watching online, here's the deal. We all want to excel. Everybody in this room wants to excel. So here I'm giving you the master secrets. Number one, the master key is prayer. Number two, the master key is training. And the goal, the master goal is faith for 2023. What makes those who have great faith have great faith? What is it that creates people who know how to pray? What is it that turns knowledge into competency? It's training and discipleship, and it happens to be in the Bible. Every person I've ever met that does something powerful was trained by somebody. Every person, every singer that I talked to that, that has got the most beautiful voice was trained by someone. Every leader was trained by someone. They'll talk about that person and that person in life. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here today. You know, there's a pastor up in Tennessee. He runs a huge, huge church. It's, it's uh, an amazing church. And he was in our youth group. In fact, there's two pastors in Tennessee that were in our youth group. And he's now pastoring thousands of people. He was the, he was the teaching pastor at Willow Creek for a number of years. And this guy was there the other week. Pastor Jane was visiting. And he came up and he says, you know, I remember the lunch that Pastor Ashley had with me at Faster Pasta, right, which is in a kind of a fast food Italian place, not much chopped from the city we're from. But anyway, I was only a, a cheap youth pastor at those times, and so I couldn't afford anything else. So we went to Faster Pasta, and I sat down with him. I began to speak into his life. I got off the stage one Sunday. That was back in the days when there were chairs on stages, and the pastor sat on the stage. Remember those days? Thank goodness they're gone. And uh, and I sat, got off the stage in the middle of the shaking hands time and I walked straight down to him. He was sitting way back in our big auditorium in paradise. And I remember talking to him and said, 
hey, young man, there's a call of God in your life, and I began to prophesy over him. I said, can we catch up for lunch? He says, I am where I am today because of that training into my life. Right? And he did my leadership course, just to plug the leadership course one more time, right? Because we don't teach, we train. Okay? And I, I can tell you of hundreds of pastors that are out there pastoring today because of being trained, being released, now pastoring mega churches, thousands and hundreds of thousands of people under their, their shepherding because they were trained, not just taught. To be trained, you must ask. Everybody say, you must ask. Right, that's how it works. Okay, and remember this, there's always life after no. So don't be afraid to ask is what I'm trying to say. It takes courage to be trained because it takes me saying, train me. It takes understanding of its impact to take the time to be trained. Well, I'm too busy. Well, good luck. The master key has been lost. Number three, it takes humility to be trained because I'm putting myself under someone else. Okay? But if I could trust God in them, they're not going to be perfect. If I could trust God, what could happen in my life? And I want to develop in all of us a culture of asking, of asking to be trained. I'll give you a scripture that kind of leads our, our energy towards all this stuff. It's 2 Kings 4. It's a story about the widow woman who had, whose husband had died and she had all these debts and the sons were going to be taken into slavery. And she goes to Elisha and Elisha says, this is what I want you to do. Go get all the empty pots of ha- in your house, get the little oil that you have and pour it into the pots. And when they're filled, you've created value in those pots of oil and you'll go away and sell them and you'll pay off your debt. That's what she did. Went to the neighbors. She went everywhere. And here's what's amazing about that story. Only at the very end, it says, uh, it's one of the next verses, it says this, is that when she ran out of pots, the oil stopped flowing. So God gave me a mandate. You are to find empty pots. People that need value adding. And when you pour the little oil that I've given you, I wish you'd give me more oil, but he's given me a little oil. So when you pour that little oil into those people, it won't run out. It'll increase the value of their lives. And I can do something with them. And so that's what we do. Empty pots. Maybe you're an empty pot. Maybe a quarter filled, and the rest of it, the value is still not at its premium. Because none of it will be our premium until the day we die. What do you need filling in? So let me just finish by showing you the plan for the year, all right? And then we're going to get real practical, and then we're going to come back to everything spiritual again. So this is the plan. So when you see things, these things aren't random. There is a plan, okay? So here's the plan. Sundays, the purpose of Sundays is this. The purpose of Sundays is, let me find where I wrote this, was the words were good. Um, the purpose of Sundays is, where is it? Oh yeah, there it is. To inspire, to encourage, and to help people find Jesus. Right? That's the purpose of Sundays. To come together in community, be the church. Then we want to do things midweek. Midweek is going to be on Zoom. Right? We want to do teaching teaching parenting, teaching life hacks, teaching 
all the things that you don't want to leave your house for, but would gladly get online with someone who is an expert at that stuff. We're going to bring in a sexologist to one of our sessions in February, right? Gone quiet in church already. It's one we've trust and one we've used before, right? We haven't personally used her before. I'm just telling you, we've used her to speak to our church a few times. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just wetting the appetite of some people and putting some people off. I know that. But the point is, we're going to talk about real things like relationships, like budgeting. We're going to do something in, in March on finances about how to get the most out of your taxes. You may think you know. Great. We might need you to teach then. Right? But we're going to have experts come in and teach. We're going to do that across Zoom so you can be in the comfort of your home. So Sundays, inspiration, impartation, encouragement. Come on, let's go. Fill the tank with faith and let's go after everything God has for us. Then during the week, you can opt in for all those other things. And then the most critical part is things like growth track. What's growth track for? We want you to see whether this is the church you're meant to be because here's the deal. I don't have a long runway in my life and I don't want to invest into people that are going to be here one minute and gone the next. Just being really honest. I'm a trainer. Trainers need time. Jesus asked his disciples to spend three years with him. If you spend three days with us, I'm not going to invest. I can't. It's a bad, I'm being a bad steward with my own time. So in order to be a good steward of my time, growth track lets you know whether this is the church you're meant to be at and what this church is all about. You need to do it. Then rise is so pivotal to our church. Why revelation came out of COVID was this, that people aren't looking just for the big fancy show. They're looking for personal training, engagement on a small level. That's why we have groups of six no more. The pastor, the, the, pastor, the, the big multiplier thinker in me wants to have 50 people in each group. We get to more people that way, but not with quality. So we're going to go for micro-discipleship groups, half of what Jesus, I'm only half as good as what Jesus, maybe not even half. So here, 12, we're going for six. Because in six, nobody can hide. Everybody's engaged. If you've not yet done a RISE group, do one. You're going to find it the best thing. Some of my best friendships have come out of RISE. Do the RISE program. Then after you do RISE, We'll have an impartation. So Rise is about impartation and discipleship and training on spiritual things so you're equipped to live life. Then we have the leadership school. And the leadership school is only, if I really wanted everybody there, I'd invite everybody. But it's only for people that want to be trained and who've done Rise, okay? There'll be another leadership school later in the year. But I want to invest in a way where I'm not thinking, oh, I'm going to upset Sally over there because I've got my training hat on, not my pastoral hat, right? So you've got to be mature enough to come to that group. Then the incubator is once a month. That's for really only a select group of people too, business owners, people that run divisions within companies worth millions of dollars. Why? Because we're going to bring in some of the high, high people of Alpharetta to come and tell us the secret to their success. It's going to be question and answer. I don't want a question from someone saying, how do you set up a website? To a guy with 300 employees. Yeah. He won't know, number one. <laughs> but it has to be a certain level. What are we trying to do? We're trying to create a menu for all of us so every one of us can have the best 23 possible. I don't want to be busy. 
I don't need to be busy. I've got so much busyness, it's just pouring out of my ears. But I do want my life mission, if you can understand this, my life's passion is to make you successful. There are people that have never come and thanked me for what I've done for them. And you know what? I don't care. Because I know they're doing good and that's all the joy I need. Does that make sense? This is not for me. This is me giving to you. And there are numbers of people within our church. I'm not the only one, by the way, because I've hired people on our team that can also impart into you. And if you start becoming one of those and you grow, imagine if you grow and then suddenly you start discipling people and then others start discipling people and we create a revolution of Jesus' method of helping people live a great life, which is discipleship. We may just fulfill the function of the church. We want a great church. There's a reason why the building's this size. I don't mind having three services in a building this size. That's my sacrifice. But I want to be in a place where we can build community and build discipleship and raise rocket ships and give them the fuel they need. Some of the dented rocket ships that have come in, let's come on, let's do some panel beating on the dented rocket ships and now let's send them off to Mars. That's our goal. We have no other goal. That's why I'm here. God said to me, I want you to plant yourself in Alpharetta because I'm going to bring to you people here that, are, that I'm going to use in a very extraordinary way and you're going to input into them, but be choosy about what you do. This is what he said to me. I don't have 10 years to waste, right? It's a short period of time and I'm going to use it with the best I possibly can. The pastor in me finds it hard to say no to anybody. The leader in me is trying to beat the pastor up to say only yes to the right people. <laughs> imagine if we all did it, what would happen? Can you imagine what would happen to our church? Can you imagine what happened to your family? Because the master keys flow down to your family. They flow down to your business. They flow down to your marriage. That's what we want to do. And so I want to pray. There is no older call, except I want you to think about it. If you've not yet signed up for Growth Track, this is not a plug for those things. This is so you understand why we're doing them. So that you don't think, oh, it's another church program. It's not a, we don't want church programs. I love the fact this building, we only get it 29% of the week. That makes sure the pastor and me doesn't put on too many church programs. I only want to do things that equip you to be everything God's called you to be. That is my promise to you. That is my greatest love of my life. I am one of the few people in our church's history that's a developer of people. And I've had that said to me by many, many people, like pastors. For some reason, I wanted God to give me the gifts that Pastor Jane has. I'd love to get up and just prophesy over people. It's unfair that she can just do that. But I'm gonna run with what I was given. And what I give, I promise you will last you a lifetime. 